Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano is blasting the bishops, slamming their performance on a health crisis that happened in 2020, and that includes Pope Francis. It's a big shame on you for not standing up for the truth, not defending the Church of Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking at today as we turn to Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. You know, we just did, uh, I'd encourage you to watch it if you haven't watched it already. Big show. Lots of feedback. Very controversial. You might agree with it or you might disagree with it. It's this show that we did a little over a week ago. Whether or not Francis is the Pope. According to Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. And here he talks about, Vigano talks about whether Jorge Bergoglio, who becomes Pope Francis, had a lack of consent. I'm probably going to do another show on that because there's so many comments and so many questions. Basically, Archbishop Vigano says, uh, just as when a man and woman enter into matrimony, if one party, either the man or the woman, does not bring proper consent, the marriage is invalid. So, for example, let's say a man, John and Jill, are getting married, and Jill is saying, John is really rich. I'm only getting married because in two years' time, I'm going to divorce him and take half of his money. In this case, Jill has no true consent for holy matrimony. She's not actually entering into the bond and covenant and sacrament of matrimony. Therefore, if it were to come out that Jill only married John so she could divorce him a year later and get half of his money, there would be no consent and they could go before the church and the church would give a declarity of nullity. This is called an annulment. They would say you were never really married because one party entered into this union under a false consent, a lack of consent. In fact, they did it willing to commit a crime against the other person. Archbishop Vigano is saying, in the same way, if someone were to accept or lobby for getting elected to be Pope, and the reason they wanted to be Pope was to change the dogma or morality of the church, that would be, they, that would be them seeking the papacy to commit a crime against God and the Church of Christ, and therefore it would be null. That is the argument of Vigano. I go into it and read the whole thing. Go and check out that full-length video. Um, lots of interesting comments, questions, reflections on that. Today we're going to shift gears and we're going to look at Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. As it regards to, and I have to be very careful with my words here, on the Twitters and the Facebooks and the YouTubes and not so much on the Rumble. And I'm just going to say the 2020 health situation. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about certain insertions of certain genetic codes into certain tissues, certain people's anatomy with regard to a big health crisis that happened in 2020. You follow what I'm saying? You get me? You get me? Now, it's been a little bit over a week here on the Taylor Marshall Podcast. I've been gone traveling. It's been very exciting. 
been doing some cool things and meeting some amazing people. I got to meet Mel Gibson in person. I got to go to Low Mass, Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with Cardinal Burke. That was awesome. Uh, went to Nashville. Incredible. Met up with my friend George Farmer, who you saw me interview about a month ago. That was a very popular interview. George Farmer uh, talks about his conversion to Catholicism, him marrying Candace Owens. We talk about Mariology, church history, sacraments, traditional mass. I'd encourage you to go check out that video. Hopefully we can link it up here, the interview with George Farmer. But we went to Daily Wire and got to sit in and, and watch Candace Owens' show and Matt Walsh and and Michael Knowles, and got to meet the famous country western singer Clay Walker, good Catholic man. Um, just wonderful things happening, very exciting, good connections being made. Um, also here on the, on the, on the um, home front, I'm working on a new Sword and Serpent book. It'll be on St. Nicholas. It's an exorcism story. Fantastic. Uh, I've got a new calendar coming out. It'll be a 19, pre-55 and a 1962 traditional Catholic calendar. is going to be the end all be all of Catholic calendar. You'll want one for 2024 and other cool things happening. So, oh, also I got a book on St. Joseph coming out too. So lots of good news. Let's jump into Archbishop Vigano. He wrote this on Twitter today, also known as X. I still call it Twitter. And he writes, it's short. But this is Archbishop Vigano blasting, coming out against the bishops and Francis. And I encourage you to follow Archbishop Vigano on Twitter, a.k.a. X, Carlo M. Vigano. He says, three years ago, I was among the first and certainly the first bishop to denounce pandemic and something, something, something fraud. I'm going to have to delete some of these words as I go along because of social media restrictions. I hope you understand. Expressed with arguments that today emerge as true and well-founded are the critical issues uh, and immorality of an experimental gene treatment in which aborted fetuses were and are used to produce. Now, there was a big debate back in 2020, in fact, going back into I believe the 70s, over whether it is morally permissible for us to use these medications, these preventatives to disease that are based on the genetic material of aborted fetuses. Is that legit? Personally, I don't want that in me. All right. It's kind of like, to me, medical cannibalism. And it's kind of Pandora's box. You open that box and where does that box go? all evils break loose. It's like, well, if we can do that, what else can we do with babies who are terminated to enhance, extend our lives? That's not really a question, not really a pathway that I want to take. If I, if I die five years earlier, so be it, right? That's me. All right. So, this is a moral question. Some moral theologians said, well, look, that happened so long ago, it's so distant, that there is a moral remoteness to the action. And the further you are from the act, the less culpability there is. For example, let's say you bought 
a pair of Nike Air Jordans that were made in 1989 with slave labor in China. Right? The If you were at the factory in 1989, saw the children chained up making shoes, and you're like, yeah, I want those shoes anyway. Forget those kids. Screw those kids. There's a moral culpability there. Right? But the distance from that reduces the moral culpability. That actually is true in Catholic moral theology. It's just there's a debate on the distance and the magnitude of culpability. And are we distant enough from these horrendous actions that we can say we can medically benefit them because it's been so long or so far away? I'm not so sure about that. I'd rather play it a little bit safe and hedge it. Archbishop Vigano goes on to say, there were those in conservative circles who went so far as to attack me personally and resorted to the unproven and clearly false statements of a doctor who worked for her husband for Big Pharma. I expressed my dismay at the silence of the bishops, priests, and parish pastors of many religious workers involved in hospitals and at the servile zeal with which the Catholic hierarchy conformed to the crazy and criminal health regulations, and Bergoglio's, Francis, as you know, Vigano now pretty much exclusively refers to Pope Francis as Bergoglio. Bergoglio's promotion of the serum. And you'll remember that Bergoglio, Francis, met, I believe, twice with Pfizer and was very much promoting that and I myself, as a lay Catholic, found that a bit scandalous. Continuing with Archbishop Vigano, I was publicly insulted on television and the media while my brother bishops were silent, faced with a crime against humanity that has continued to take place before our eyes for three years with the approval and encouragement of Bergoglio. I would have thought that many pastors would have found the courage to raise their voices and join in my denunciation of the plan of world depopulation. Sorry, I lost my spot here. Uh, yeah, depopulation implemented by the World Economic Forum, Forum Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the WHO, and the United Nations while the funds of these criminals are also given to the Vatican, transforming Bergoglio into a vaccine salesman and a supporter of climate fraud, which has now become magisterium with Laudate Deum and the Amazonian and Synodal Church, end quote. So this is the big shame on you. This is how can you claim to be the successors of the apostles, Peter, Andrew, James, John, et al. When something so confusing, not just the fact that it has aborted genetic material in the serum, but that it actually is mandated, it's an act of charity, it's something you should do. I met a very good young priest who was this close to not being ordained to the Catholic priesthood. What was his sin? What was his crime? What was his impediment? He did not want to get the pokey poke. 
the diocese, the bishop says, you don't get the pokey pope, you don't get ordained priest. That's how draconian, that's how heavy these measures were. I know another man who was fired from the diocese. Why? He did not get the pokey pope. So it wasn't just, oh, follow your own conscience. You do you. It was, you don't get ordained, you get fired. And I've heard of people, even people like organists, being in trouble with their pastors and their diocese because they don't want to get a treatment that they find in their conscience to be subversive to their path to following God. And yet, we are told on an almost daily basis from the Vatican, there can be a man and a man, a woman and a woman, or a man who transforms himself into something else, and that we should respect that, that we should honor that, and that even though traditional Christianity and Bible verses, etc., and church fathers contradict that, that we should honor their conscience, we should accompany them on their spiritual journey, that we should judge not, that we should go along and get along, and not only that we should just permit it, we should celebrate it. We should be out there with the flag in the streets, uh, you know, I should go put on some Daisy Dukes and get that flag tied around my neck and run all around Duke Carlos. Celebrate their convictions about their activity in the bedroom. And there's a double standard that a priest or a seminarian who's gone all the way through priesthood is going to be told, you can't be ordained unless you get the pokey poke, or else, boom, out. All the way to the other end of the rainbow spectrum, where we're being told that we must honor the conscience of those who, according to traditional Catholicism, Thomas Aquinas, St. Augustine, even St. Peter, have malformed conscience and a malformed morality. And again, it may not be their fault, but as a church and as a pope and as a bishop and as a priest and even as a layman, we have the vocation and calling from God to teach all things that Christ commanded us, Matthew 28. We have to teach, we have to reform consciences. If I'm up against someone who has a malformed conscience, that doesn't mean I just judge them and say, you're screwed, you're going to hell, you're damned. Peace, sorry, Audi, 5,000. No, I have to carefully, lovingly, I'll even throw the word out, I'll even accompany them on the path in the process of reforming, properly forming the conscience, the mind, the heart in conformity with two things, natural law and divine revelation, which we Catholics experience through the means, the modes of sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 
So natural law, it's the basic fundamental moral code. People ask, you're Dr. Taylor Marshall, what's your doctorate in? My doctorate is in philosophy, and I wrote a 600-page dissertation titled Thomas Aquinas on Natural Law and the Twofold End of Man. So my specialty is Thomas Aquinas and Natural Law. That's where I live. That's where my mind is. And why do I make podcasts? And why do I make videos? I saw we're coming up on two, I think we're at 1,900-something videos just here on YouTube. Why do this? To form consciences. To proclaim the good news to captives. They may not be captives in a prison cell. They may be captives to the wrong way of thinking and acting. Let me tell you something. We live in the Western world, in Europe, and in the United States of America, Canada, to some extent Mexico. We live in a world now where young people under 18 have grown up on these phone things, exposed to pornography at age 7, 8, 9, 10, have seen graphic, violent things, have grown up in homes that are not nuclear, have grown up without grandparents, have grown up without a father, without a mother, perhaps grown up, grown up with neither, or if they're there, they're checked out. I've met several people who grow up with parents that were heroin addicts. Parents were totally checked out. These people, not surprisingly, are not well formed. It's not their fault. But the proper response, the, res the response that Jesus Christ would give and the Holy Ghost would be lead them into the truth, lead them into the light. Don't say, you're in the darkness there. Let me make the darkness comfortable for you. You may even bring them into the light, to use the analogy of Plato's cave. As they're coming out of the cave, their eyes might hurt. The light is bright. They hiss at the magnificence and the aura, the illumination. That's is what we are called to do with people. Not to say, oh, you're in a dark, nasty cave with no light. It's damp and moldy. How can I make that nicer for you? That's not love. That's not it. Let's go back to Vigano. He says here in Latin, Nemo profeta in sua patria. Literally, nobody is a prophet in his own homeland, in his own fatherland, patria, fatherland. Nobody is a prophet in his own fatherland, hearkening back to the words of Jesus. But if today some priests surrender to the evidence and ask Catholic journalists to tell the truth about the adverse effects, and we are seeing those adverse effects, are we not? By the way, if you're enjoying this program, please give it the thumbs up right now and share it. Also, if you're new, I'd ask you to please subscribe. Hit the thumbs up, subscribe, hit the bell. You'll be notified every time I go live here on the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. And we are streaming live today on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble. Also, you can listen to this podcast on Spotify. You can listen on iTunes. All the audio is there. You can listen to it 
on Amazon. You can listen to this on Audible. The Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast is everywhere. So if you're in the car and you want to listen to the Audible audio versions, you got Spotify, Audible, Amazon, Apple Music, iTunes. It's all there. But if today some priests surrender to the evidence and ask Catholic journalists to tell the truth about the adverse effects, I wonder with what serenity they have so far silenced their conscience, and if their silence and fearful silence, like that of the doctors, police forces, magistrates, teachers, and governors, has not turned into a timid protest today just because they see the showdown approaching. I like that, showdown. That's like Texas talk, cowboy talk, showdown, okay corral. It's coming. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for the showdown? It's hard to be ready for a showdown, as Vigano says, when you've already backed down several times. You know, they're like the bully. He roughs you up on the locker, takes your 50 cents, takes your dollar. Takes your, uh, your Funyuns and your favorite granola bar. The more he does that to you, the more broken you are. The more you will go along with saying, yeah, you can have my Funyuns again today. And here's 75 cents if. But at a certain point, I mean, if you resist the bully day one, kick him in the shins, punch him in the face. I did that once when I was in eighth grade. Awesome. If you resist the bully once, he'll go find other weaker people. Problem is, is when you're habituating to capitulate to the bully, you capitulate more and more. I want to challenge everybody watching. Don't capitulate anymore. Kick the bully in the shins. Push back. If we had all done that day one, none of this would have happened. They would have been shouted down. But if they say, put on your face diaper, Put it over your nose, please. Okay, okay. Capitulate, capitulate, capitulate. Lose. You lose. And he's saying here, how will it be that the bishops and the priests, the pastors, how will they man up, pull themselves up by their bootstraps if their conscience has been silenced over and over and over? Think of all the young men who went into the priesthood. And they, they didn't want to get the jabby jab, the poking on the poke. They didn't want it. The bishop or the rector of the seminary said, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Think about all the men who did bend their will and do that. And what does that do long term for their conscience? And what does that do long term for their relationship with their bishop and with their brother priests? What sort of precedence is that setting? He says, has not turned it, turned into a timid protest today just because they see the showdown approaching and fear for their own reputation more than for the health of the billions of people subjected to the inoculation of a product that was known from the beginning to be dangerous and even lethal. And of course, as he mentioned, come from aborted fetal genetic material. Archbishop Vigano 
Their silence on the pandemic fraud is identical to that on the apostasy of the Catholic hierarchy. And the moral responsibility that weighs on them will remain as an indelible stain for which they will have to answer to God, to men, and to history. End quote. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano on Twitter today. Their silence is identical to the apostasy in the Catholic hierarchy. What's going on there, Archbishop Vigano says. For the past 60 years, the past 60 years, there has been a demographic decline in ordinations, religious life, especially the Jesuits, infant baptisms, adult conversions, even though we cooked up RCIA, down. Decline, decline, decline. And yet we've thought up all these new things. We got new liturgies, we got Eucharistic Prayer One, we got two, three, four. There's some other ones out there. I don't, I don't even know much about those. Eucharistic Prayer Two, done on the back of a napkin, allegedly. We got a new rite for infant baptism, new rite for adult baptism. We got a new rite for consecrating a bishop. We got new confirmation. We got new last rites, new extreme unction. What else new do we have? We got new marriage rites. Hmm. Let's do everything. We got a new liturgy of the hours. We got new mysteries of the rosary. We got everything. We got new architecture. We got round. We got altars facing the people. I mean, we, beginning in the 1960s, and I document all this in my book, Infiltration. If you haven't read it, check it out. Listen to the audible. Buy the book. If you want a signed copy, I'll sign it right here on this desk. Patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Go there and look at the levels and support this podcast. I appreciate it. If you want to support my podcast and the work I'm doing, the best way is patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. If you also want to support me, but you want to learn, you can take my online courses at nsti.com. That's the new St. Thomas Institute. And we now have our 11th course. It's on apocalyptic studies. We're doing three days of darkness, the book of Enoch. Fatima, The Three Secrets, Our Lady of La Salette, but we're also doing all the apocalyptic passages in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, First and Second Maccabees, the four canonical Gospels, Paul, John, and of course the book of Revelation itself. It's absolutely fascinating. If you want to take online courses with me on Old Testament, New Testament, philosophy, apologetics, sign up today at nsti.com. We're currently having our 10-year anniversary there's a bunch of specials, so if you want to get in on that, go to nsti.com and uh, sign up. Become my student. I'll teach you. It's amazing. I've got thousands of students. It's absolutely fantastic. I will also be giving away, um, thanks to a very good friend of mine, I'm going to be giving away a Father Lassance missile to all the Patreon folks at patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Don't worry, NSTI people. I also have a really cool giveaway coming towards you. So stay tuned. I'm going to honor both of y'all. And I want to give 
a shout out to my buddy Rex. He's the one who donated this Fatima Songs missile. And it's beautiful. It's brand new. It's one of those reissues. So make sure you go over to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Become a Patreon. And you can be in the drawing to win that Fatima Songs missile. Absolutely incredible. All right. The apostasy. No, that's how I got into it. Now I remember. Right? The apostasy that Vigano was talking about. It was silent. I mean, there were people like Archbishop Lefebvre, Marcel Lefebvre, who started the Society of St. Pius X in 1970. He was, even then, you know, he signed some of the documents in 1965 at the Second Vatican Council, including Dignitatis Humanae. But he raised his voice. There were many others, especially priests, but for the most part, the global episcopate, that's all the bishops and the cardinals, silently, maybe some of them reluctantly, moved forward to everything new. New Mass, new seven sacraments, new liturgy, the hours, in which they took out verses that were offensive. Same with the Novus Ordo Lectionary. Everything was nouvelle. Gargoula Grange warned us of the nouvelle théologie. The nouvelle théologie. The new or novel theology that was coming primarily from the Jesuits, the Society of Jesus. Rahner, Kuhn, de Lubach, Balthazar, Hey, Taylor, some of those guys are, like, really cool. Mm. Do your research. This was the slow creep. This was the frog in the pot. And the temperature went up and up and up. And this lasted, this has lasted for 60 years. It's actually remarkable that we're living in 2023. And there is a growing, vocal, traditional Latin mass movement. They're just, I was talking to a, a good priest, Father B. And he was saying, you know, it used to be conservative priests were like, well, let's just make the Novus Ordo as reverent and as beautiful as we possibly can. And then something happened. What happened? Pope Ben XVI issued some more in Pontificum. And suddenly those priests, instead of, you know, it's kind of like you got, you know, an old 1970s sports car in the garage. All these tinkering on it, making it better, making it better. Suddenly it was like, well, you can just have a brand new Resto Mod 1967, or I should say 1962 Corvette. It's ready to go. Air conditioning works. Everything on that thing is restored. New. The leather seats are to period. And the priests were like, oh, well, instead of tinkering and trying to improve the Nova Zorda, let's just go right over here and we'll see the 1962 missile traditional Latin Mass. That changed the game globally. Changed things permanently. It's true. Pope Francis Bergoglio has tried to take back some more on Pontificum and reel in the traditional Latin Mass and reel in the traditional seven sacraments and the bravery and all that. But there is in 2023 a loud, vocal, growing, and here's the key, young movement of Catholics that want the traditional ways to be the normative ways. 
this past summer, I went on the shark, uh, shark pilgrimage with Michael Matt, John Henry Weston. I was amazed to see 17,000 Catholics walking over three days. First day, I think I did 28 miles of walking. Big old blisters on my heels. Rough. All those young people. At the end, I heard there was over 20,000 people at a pontifical high mass at Shark Cathedral. That cathedral was built for that mass, and we were there for it. That is a young movement, prim primarily French. I would say 90% were French. And I was impressed by the joyfulness, the peacefulness, and the faith of these young I don't, I don't want to say traditional Catholics, but unfortunately I have to identify them just so you know I'm talking about traditional Catholics. You know, that's the kind of thing where if you stop persecuting us and just let us be, we can just be joyful and happy and do our own thing. Great Testament. My wife and my two sons just did the Three Hearts pilgrimage in Oklahoma on the way to Clear Creek Monastery. Incredible. You may have seen my sons, they are carrying the American flag. They're in the front row right there in front of Cardinal Burke at the Mass at Clear Creek. It's young. It's a game changer. Yes, there's a biological solution. That is the older, hippie, groovy Peter, Paul, and Mary priests, Jesuits, and nuns are dying. But I don't want us to focus on that as the solution. That's a biological, that's a natural solution. And we are supernatural people. Ultimately, the difference is this. Where there is an allegiance to Jesus Christ, to his dogma and to his morality, there is spiritual growth. There is evangelization. There is helping the poor and the homeless and the needy, and the addicted, and yes, Catholics, I don't care how tratty you are, you had a daily pre-1955 Latin Mass and pray your rosary in Latin, which I recommend. If you do not feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty and clothe the naked and house the homeless, if we do not do those things, we will not be saved. We are not perfectly fulfilling the will of God and the love of God just by being traditional. That sort of gets you back on the rails, but being on the rails is the acts of mercy, the acts of charity. We must do that. And if you look at the just demographics and the facts, where you see a love for Jesus Christ and the Blessed Virgin Mary and the saints, and wherever there's love, there is obedience. And when you see that obedience, you have a tailor you have to obey Pope Francis on every single thing he says every single day on an airplane. When we talk about obedience to sacred scripture, obedience to sacred tradition, that is where you see true supernatural life through the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is active where there is the fire of charity because the Holy Ghost is the fire charity. These things go together. So, telling people to continue to sin, telling people not to repent is not charitable, and therefore the Holy Spirit will not be there. And when the Holy Spirit is not there, the vine withers. No fruit 
no flowers, nothing beautiful, just dry and dead. And if you want to see dry and dead, go to some of these convents where the nuns were doing labyrinths and new age spirituality. And it's dry and it's dead and it's dying. I haven't had a new vocation in 20 years because the Holy Ghost is not drawing that which is on fire, that which is alive into these sterile, spiritually sterile environments. And sadly, as we watch the synod of synodality unfold, it's been a bore fest. I mean, I haven't even felt the need to make podcasts and shows on the synod of synodality because it's so boring. It's people sitting around tables looking at I at iPads talking about, gee, we need to have women's ordination. Gee, we need another rainbow flag. It's tiresome. Uh-oh, people are saying, my mic. How'd I get this deep? Oh, no, wrong mic is on. I bet it's echoey for you folks. I apologize for that. The problem is, every time I leave town, everything shuts off. And then when I turn it back on, not everything goes back to its original settings. So I apologize for that. I can maybe fix it here. Let's see. Nope. The soundboard is off. I apologize for that. All right. Well, we're going to close up here. We're going to pray a uh, Hail Mary. We're going to pray that the spouse of Mary, who is the Holy Spirit, vivifies, gives life to the church and the church is going to, unless our Lord Jesus Christ comes back, the church is going to exist after Archbishop Vigano dies, after Pope Francis dies, after I die. It will continue and it will continue in a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Let's pray the Hail Mary. Nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus nunc et mortis nostre. Amen. Dear God, bless our church, purify our church, bring us many great female religious nuns, priests, bishops, cardinals, and popes in the decades to come. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, th uh, friends, thanks for watching. May our Lord Jesus Christ be with us all, inspire us to faith, and good works. And remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. Also, I encourage you, if you haven't seen it yet, watch this video on the Euphrates River in the book of Revelation and the prophecies relating to it. Fascinating and 